Welcome to Two Idiots One Podcast. This is Bailey. And I'm Taylor. And Bailey, before we start this today, I just want to ask you a question. Okay, what do you got for me today? Do you remember Tammy Jenkins that we went to school with? Tammy? Yeah, Tammy. No. She was uh, probably a year old. I think she was a year older than you and a year younger. Or not, no, a year older than you, so that would be two years. So, okay, I was a sophomore when she was a senior. Okay. Yeah, do you remember her? Nope. Okay, because she was like this really attractive, uh, sweet girl. I mean, very popular and whatnot. And then one day it just happened. She got into like a car accident or something. And it was real weird because she started forgetting things. Hmm. It's real weird that I don't have any memory of that. Oh, you don't have any memory of it? No. Yeah, she ended up um, forgetting a lot of things. I think it was uh, short-term memory loss or something because she knew who she was. Okay. But she couldn't form new memories. And I mean, I never talked to her. I, I knew of her. I didn't actually know her. So it would make sense that she didn't remember me at all. So like 51st States kind of thing? No, no, not like that. How is it different? How is it different than that? Because yeah. I'm not going to ruin that movie. But no, it was it was different because she was she was forgetting things all the time. And then there was a there was like this insurance adjuster that came out that basically said that she was faking it which i don't i don't know whoa whoa whoa! did the insurance adjuster say that she was faking it or there was nothing physically wrong with her because there is a difference i mean well is there though because i think that she was faking because like i liked her well i mean i can't say that because i you just said you didn't know her i mean well i knew of her but that makes me sound kind of like a stalker and creepy so but i mean would she lie about something like that? Because er, there wasn't anything wrong. I mean, she had a couple of broken bones, but just couldn't remember stuff. Had this huge concussion, was in a coma for a while, came out of it and couldn't remember. That's pretty weird. Yeah, it was like, and then you would talk to her and she would just all of a sudden be like, I'm sorry, who are you again? Did, was she aware about this condition that she had? Yeah, she was aware. Of, I mean, you I couldn't if you went up and talked to her, you couldn't go like more than five seconds without her saying, "I have this condition." Okay, so l- let me ask you this mm-hmm. because this is a question I have about the situation you're describing. Yeah, if someone had a condition where they couldn't form new memories, how would they know they had a condition where they couldn't form new memories? Because mm-hmm. one would assume that they would have stopped being able to form new memories after it happened. You know what I'm saying? Well. Well, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but she could remember everything up until that point. Like, literally, she says the thing that she remembered was her mom and dad who were driving the car because they were on vacation. Like, mom and dad were fine, but she remembers having a conversation with them, and then it's just kind of blank after that. Okay, but how does she know she has a condition? Because she can't remember anything after that. How does she know she can't remember anything after that? Because, like, when I wake up in the morning... Yeah. Every morning when I wake up, my first thought is, man, the last thing I remember doing was laying down. Well, yeah, yeah, that's probably what it was. I mean, I wasn't inside of her head, so I don't know what Tammy was thinking, but. Right. But what I'm saying is like right now, if the last thing I remembered was I was laying down and now all of a sudden I'm here talking to you, I'm not going to know how I got here talking to you. I'm not going to remember, oh, I I have this condition. I don't know. The whole premise just seems a little silly to me of this memory loss that this Tammy Jenkins had. Well, no, because she knew that she had a condition because I guess people told her that she had a condition or maybe she was aware of it. I don't know, but she would... How would she know if someone told her? Like, how would she remember them telling her? 
I don't know. I don't know how it works. All that all that I know is whenever you talk to her, she couldn't remember anything. And we tried multiple things. Where I we didn't, but most people tried things, and her parents didn't believe her. Like her parents thought that she was faking it because they had you know head injuries too or whatever. Because it was a pretty serious car accident, but nobody nobody walked away from that except for her forgetting things because mom and dad still knew who they were could form new memories but couldn't figure out why she couldn't right yeah and i i mean people told her and then i I guess there would probably be this this awareness that she had about it you know where she she knew that you were having a conversation with someone but couldn't figure it out couldn't figure out how you got there I mean, I don't know. I feel like that almost every time I have a conversation with anybody. Okay, so you might suffer from short-term memory loss. I don't think I do. But if I did, I probably wouldn't remember. Or would you talk about it all the time? I'm just going to say it. Yeah. This this reminds me of today's movie. Memento? Yeah. Directed by Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Directed by Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Directed by Christopher Nolan? I feel like we've had this conversation before, but yeah. Oh, okay. You know it was written by Christopher Nolan as well? Yes. Okay. Do you know what it's based off of? It's based off a book by his brother. A short story. Okay, sorry. Short story, book, whatever. What's his brother's name? Jonathan Nolan? Jonathan Nolan, yeah. That would make sense. But no, on a serious note, what did you think of this movie? Well, hold on. So this brings up like an interesting fact, okay, that I that I read. Um, they were moving and had to go to like Los Angeles or some shit. And while they were in that car ride, he was explaining the the premise of, like, the short story to him. And they basically had the entire screenplay wrote out by the time they got to where they were going in the car, just by talking about it. That's pretty cool. And it's also credited as being an original piece because the short story came out after the movie was released. So even though it was technically based on it, it was an original because nothing had been published. That's fair. But no... Um, to answer your question, like if I was to rate it on a scale from one to five, I'd give it a solid five. A solid five? Yeah, dude. Um, I'm pretty confident. I've said it before. This is one of those movies that I categorize as like my top five influential movies. Um, so when I think about the things that got me into movies, Memento is one that pops up because of how unique it is. Even though it's got the same premise as Fifty First Dates. Okay, but Fifty First Dates came after. Right. But it's got the same premise. It's not... No. It definitely does. It's a story about someone who has no memory, and every day they wake up with no memory of what happened the day before. The only difference is one of them makes sense, because the person doesn't know they don't remember anything, and the other one doesn't make sense because this person who can't remember anything knows they can't remember anything i guess i mean one is about love and doing things for someone because you love them and the other is about killing somebody because they hurt your wife so i would say the tones are very different oh no tonally totally different but they're the same movie they're about the same thing they've got the same plot basically okay well Obviously, I don't think you liked it based off of that. So no. I'm going to say that RogerEbert.com gave it a 4 out of 5 on Memento. So I gave it a 5. RogerEbert.com gives it a 4 out of 5. Or on the actual official Roger Ebert scale, a 3. Out of 4. Out of 4. 
Um, and judging by what you said, it sounds like you didn't like it. No, I would give this movie like a four, four point five. This is a really good movie. The only, as long as you can suspend your disbelief, this is a phenomenal movie. However, if you're unable to do that, it doesn't make sense because he clearly explains how he couldn't remember that he has a memory problem. Like it's clearly articulate. Like my whole issue with this movie is if you have a condition that makes where you can't remember anything, you're not going to immediately wake up and know, oh, I can't remember anything. I've got this condition. That's not how it works. Okay, so we'll, we'll save that for the review because I disagree with you. And I think the whole, the whole point of this movie was showing how you take in information in different ways. And anyway, we'll, we'll summarize it before we get into that. Yeah. So if I was to do my five-sentence summary for this one. Okay. Remember Sammy Jenkins. Will you remember me in the morning? I'm trying to think of some other good ones in there. Yeah, um, but you can't remember them. <laughs> but I can't remember them. Um, weird tattoos. Okay. Jimmy. Okay. Photographs. I feel like I feel like instead of Jimmy, you should have said John G. John. Oh yeah, yeah. I should have said John G. You're but right. No, I feel you. Because John G. Yeah, that was what I would do for my five cent summary. That was solid. I I I approve. But if you wanted message. If you wanted an actual summary about it, um, it is about a man who can't remember anything because he has a condition, which is short-term memory loss. Is that explained in the movie? Yes, multiple times. But he is basically, t- uh, he is t- uh, teaming up with a guy who is going to help him find the man who raped and killed his wife, John G. And the really cool thing about this movie and it was the first one that I saw that ever did it. But the whole thing is backwards. But we'll get into that in the review. I just wanted to throw that in there as like one of the reasons why I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely cool. The way it was shot and like everything is very interesting. It's got a lot of scenes and stuff that I really enjoyed. And I really like the overall concept. And so that's why your score is what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Mine is just because it was the first thing I saw. And I saw it at a young age. Yeah. Um. So there's probably some bias in there. And this is like the fifth time I've watched it. And I still still get the same feeling as when I watched it for the first time. So I feel that. This is, I think, my third or fourth time watching it. And I really enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as my previous viewings. Because prior to this, I would have told you that it was for sure a five. Mm-hmm. But this time watching it, like... There are a few things that were my new, like my new criteria for whether or not something's phenomenal. It doesn't hit all of the new points. Okay, so we'll there. There's one thing that I want to discuss that we'll get to later because um, it kind of like ruins it. And if if you picked up on it, then I can see I can respect your score. But if you didn't, it's one thing that I never caught until this time. Cause I caught, I caught two things cause I didn't take notes on this one. Um, I just wrote down the things that I caught, I guess. And there were two things that I caught that really changed it and solidified that this was a five for me. But do you want to go ahead and just jump into the review? Yeah. All Spoilers right. ahead for a memento. If you haven't seen this 2001, 2000, 2000, 2000 yeah. you this know, 2000 Christopher Nolan masterpiece. Starring Guy Pierce. This is his first okay. movie, isn't it? Uh, second movie. He had one before this that I can't remember the name of in like 98. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought this was his breakout role. 
Um, basically, this was this was the first one, and it was also inducted in 2017, like to the Cinema Hall of Fame or whatever. I mean, that makes sense. This, that's where it belongs. No, it does. It definitely does. I mean, it's okay. But what are your things? What do you got? Okay. Spoilers ahead. Yeah, spoilers ahead. If you um don't have you haven't seen this movie that's been out for 22 years for some weird reason, stop listening now. Or continue. That's okay. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you want. Yeah. But we are now no longer in the spoiler-free zone. But what do you got, Taylor? Okay, so the black and so the black and white scenes. Did you did you catch when it reveals the twist at the end? Uh, maybe. Are you talking about in the black and white scenes when it shows the photo of the dead guy? No, I'm talking about in the black and white scenes where he is talking about Sammy being in the hospital. And I recorded it just to show you. Um, I do remember him talking about it, like near the beginning of the movie. No, no, it's at the end of the movie. It's like an hour and thirty minutes. Like an hour and thirty minutes exactly into it is when you can see it. So I know that at twenty nine fifty left of the movie, there is a huge. It's like it's the big. It's the big reveal, and the movie is a little over two hours long or a little under two hours long. So at twenty nine minutes left, including the credits, because I paused it right after it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I meant to take a note on it, but I don't think I actually did. But at like 29 minutes and like 30 seconds left, there's a huge, a huge spoiler thing. And what is it? I don't really remember. Like I said, I thought I wrote it down. I can't see that far oh. away. Let me just. Did you catch that? Yes. Is that what you're talking not, about? That's not what I was talking about, but I did. Okay, because this was the first time that I caught it um, where in that it's like a second where you see Sammy turn and look at somebody as they're passing, and then as they pass for a brief second, you see um, that he's in the hospital. That that is not Sammy. It's um, Lawrence, not Leonard. Lenny. Lenny. Yeah. No, he can't do it. His wife called him that. <laughs> um, oh, and then the second thing that I wrote down is when when he grabs um, Natalie's face or Carrie Ann Moss, I guess, when he grabs her face, when he comes back, you can see where she bit down on the uh, blood pill a little too early because her lip is a little bloody um, because then she, you know, hits her. And when she comes back up from that, there's more blood. So I did catch that as well. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that it was a blood pill that popped early. I thought it, like, I didn't realize it was an accident. What I thought it was is just like, he's got a real forceful grab. Well, no, I mean, I think that's an accident because everything that he did, like there was, like he he squeezed, but I don't think enough to where. No, I agree that it didn't make sense, but yeah. I thought it was like an intentional stupid thing instead of like an accident. No, no, that one that one looked like an accident because there's significantly more when she pops up. That's fair. But you, you saw the, the the giveaway where it does that brief flash. Yeah, and you still don't give it a five. That's some Fight Club level shit. See, I don't know if I would give Fight Club a five in 2022 because it's a still an awesome movie and I really like it. Mm-hmm. But I think that the older something gets, the amount of uh, legacy maybe, like the amount that it like maintains relevance. Because the issue with like Memento is it was an awesome movie. It's still got a lot of really cool things. But I feel like movies that have came out after it have had similar concepts and done it in a more enjoyable way. So. Or a more logical way. Well, well, here's the argument that I have with people that bring this up. When you 
watch a movie like that, you have to put yourself in the time. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is back if we went back to 2000 when Memento released, it's a 5 out of 5. Yeah, no that, that's what I'm saying. But like, what but what I'm saying is we're not reviewing it in 2000. We're reviewing it in 2022. And right. in 2022, I feel like its relevance and significance has dropped over the years. Well, I mean, that I would argue that that's because people are trying to copy it. But no, the, I mean, thing, the, the argument that I will make is nobody was able to do it the way Christopher Nolan did. Like, the concept is there and people are trying to mimic it or whatever or pay homage whatever you want to call it but i don't think anybody ever did it the way he did no i mean i agree with you but it's not a matter of did anyone do it as good because i would say like the friday the 13th movies there have been other slashers like them that have done that did the slasher better they had the same formula they had a slightly better makeup for it okay so what would you say had the same concept as Memento, but did it better. No, I don't think there's anything that's done it better, like, necessarily. Like, there have been things that, like, where it made more sense. Like, for example, Fifty First Dates. I mm-hmm. feel like uh, Drew Barrymore's memory loss in that is, the way it's described, is the same type of memory loss that uh, Lenny has or Leonard has in this. So here's my argument for that. Okay. He is a different case. Yeah, he's a different case because his is literally all made up because, you know, it's his is he's faking. Okay, so the the test that they give Sammy, right? The shock test. The shock test is based off of an actual test. Yes. That I can't remember the guy's name, but the doctor had a buzzer in his hand that would shock the dude every time he shook his hand. And he had short-term memory loss or whatever, so he would talk with him shake his hand it would shock him and after a number of times he eventually instinct kicked in to where he just wouldn't do it he couldn't explain why he didn't understand why he didn't do it but he like instinct kicked in and said don't do that so he didn't do it but he can't he couldn't tell you why but in the case of sammy jenkins who picks up the blocks and picks up the exact same blocks every time and flips him off and, you know, says, you know, fuck you, whatever, every time. He never learned from it. And that was intentional just to show that there are different ways of taking in knowledge, is what Christopher Nolan says. And, I mean, you could argue that he is faking it because at the very end or the beginning of the movie, whichever one you want to call it, um, he says, well, I lie to myself. You'll be my new John G. Will I lie to myself to keep me happy? In your case, Teddy, I will. Yeah. He acknowledges the fact that he's not going to remember this, but he is going to set it up to where he hunts down Teddy. So, I mean, you, you couldn't you could make that argument and say that he's lying to himself and faking it because of that, and that gives you proof, but Yeah. No, I mean I don't actually think he's faking it, or I don't think we're meant to think he's faking it. So I don't think he's faking it, and I think I think the defining part of that movie that shows that he is not faking it is when Carrie Ann Moss or Natalie comes in and Natalie is talking to him and calls him a fucking retard and says, you know, you're a freak, you're a whore of a wife, 
And he's like, stop saying that. Yeah, he gets super mad. And then she walks out and sits in her car for a minute. And well, no, he, he hits her. He gets so mad that he hits her and like, punches her full force in the face, leaves a bruise, busts her lip. And she looks him in the eyes and says, I'm going to have fun fucking with you and using you. Yeah. And yeah. she takes all the pins so he can't write it down, goes out to the car, and then sits there and looks at him while she you know, does her makeup or whatever and is checking out her bruise and her lip and then just sits in her car and looks at him while he's concentrating. Because if he concentrates, he can remember until he, like, that's the thing about this movie is the only time that he stops remembering, if he concentrates hard enough on something, he can remember it. But as soon as she closes the car door and he turns and looks at her, at that instance, he forgot what he was doing and can't understand what he what, what's happening and that's why when she walks in and says dodd's the one that did this i went and did what you said and he goes oh I, well i mean i'll find him and I'll, I'll kill him and this all stems from the part where she said you know you need to kill him yeah i did the part you said or i did what you wanted me to right you know i like why are you going to kill john g and you can't kill dodd yeah no i mean like i said i don't actually think he's faking but mm-hmm. The fact that sometimes he knows, or the fact that he knows he doesn't have the ability to form short-term memories, and the fact that, you know, during chase scenes, he'll be forgetting, oh, I'm being chased. Oh, wait, I'm chasing him. But then he can maintain conversation sometimes, and sometimes he can't, like, I recognize that it's not a super consistent condition. Mm -hmm. But because of that, that lowered the score for me, because it doesn't make sense to me. And they justify it with the uh, tattoo on his hand because he are, uh, he attributes the memory loss thing with Sammy. So when he sees that, he's immediately like, oh, Sammy had memory loss. I don't know how I got here. I must have memory loss. Like, I get it, how it's justified in the movie. Mm-hmm. I just think it's stupid. You well, know what I mean? Well, and what you're talking about, like the middle part of the movie was intentionally set up like that because... For those of you that haven't seen this movie and you're still listening, the whole movie is set up to where you you see the end result and don't understand how you got there. So it kind of makes you feel like you have memory loss because you see the aftermath of what's happening but don't understand why we're here, the events that led up to it. Right, and then the whole movie is in unpacking the events that led to him shooting Teddy in the face. Yeah, because you know, you know that he shoots Teddy, but you don't know who Teddy is, and then you figure out. So what, what's interesting, one thing that I read um, is in the short story, Teddy is actually not a cop. He is an escaped mental patient. So I thought that was interesting on that end, which I don't know if they use that for the movie. It doesn't feel like they did, so there might be some credibility to what he's saying. But if you take it from that aspect, then he's crazy. Right. I mean, I don't think... I think that his uh, occupation's irrelevant. Yes. Because it's not about Teddy at all. Like, I mean, it is, but the story's about, literally just about Leonard's character. Yeah, no, it, and and what I was saying is the middle part was intentionally set up like that so you could see the deterioration of his memory. Like, it's getting worse. Right. And he's he's not able to remember as much as he... Or hold not not remember, um, but hold on to something for as long as he should, and you could also attribute it to the times where he like really forgets about things, and then all of a sudden just 
you know, doesn't understand because things are getting shorter, you could attribute that to two high stressful situations because he forgets what's going on while somebody's chasing him because the dude's like shooting at him, um, which could break his concentration when he, every time he sleeps, he forgets. Right. He wakes up confused. And when he's sitting on the toilet, you know, and he's like, all right, I'm ready. I, you know, I have this bottle. I have this weapon, 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 because he's focusing on the weapon. And then he sits down on the toilet and is waiting. And the way that the way that I understand it is when his mind started to drift in that moment where he's like, okay, now that the adrenaline's wearing off and I'm not going to do this, I'm just going to sit here and wait. He goes, well, I don't feel drunk. Right, because he sees the bottle and he's immediately like, oh, have, have I been sitting here drinking? I don't smell like alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the way that I would justify that. No, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I, I can see where you're coming from with it, and I can see how you would have to suspend your disbelief in certain parts of it. But, I mean, overall, I still think it was great. No, I mean, like I said, I think that it's a great movie, but instead of it being a 5, for me, it's going to be like a 4.5 or a 4 because it wasn't as well explained as I remember it being. Mm -hmm. Because I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense. And watching it now, I'm like, oh, this doesn't actually make all that much sense. And I I can agree with that. I I had to think about it, but it opens it up for discussion more than anything, which I like. Absolutely. Now, I will say um, one of my favorite parts in the movie is uh, when he's talking to Bert and Bert's like, oh, this isn't your room. And he goes, what do you mean? This is my handwriting. Well, you were in this room. And then I moved you to 306. Yeah, well, double why, Yeah, why are, you, why are you doing that? Well, you know, told my boss about your condition. You know, business has been a little slow. So I just booked you in two rooms. It's not like you're going to remember it anyway. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I thought that was that was good. And what what I really like about this movie is w- the end result. You think that everybody is good, right? Like at the beginning of the movie, I didn't get the impression that Natalie, Teddy, and Bert were using him the way that they did. Bert, how did Bert use him? Bert literally double paid him. Oh, that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, because the first time you see him, he goes, you know, I'm not, I'm sorry, I don't mean to... Yeah, to I'm not trying to be a dick. Yeah, yeah, like I just find it interesting that we've had this conversation because when he's talking to him, he goes, I've told you this, haven't I? Yeah, he can tell by their eyes. That's why he has to talk to people face-to-face. Right, and doesn't like to talk on the phone. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. From their very first interaction with Teddy, even before the picture that said don't believe his lies, mm-hmm. which he intentionally wrote to mislead himself, which is funny. And then wrote down his license plate. Yeah. But um, but no, even from the very first interaction with him, he didn't seem super straightforward. Like, that's that's the thing with pretty much everyone other than, like, Bert. Like, I mm-hmm. was suspicious of Natalie immediately. I was suspicious of Teddy immediately because they don't appear candid when they're talking with him. Okay. I can, I can see that. Yeah. And if in everyday life, if I'm talking to someone and it doesn't appear that they're being candid with me, I assume they're trying to manipulate or mislead me in one way or another. Right. And I can, I can see that one. Um, I, I was trying to like think back to the first time I watched it and the first time I watched it, I definitely couldn't tell you that these people were going to do that. Well, no, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I remember the first time I watched it because it was in, like, high school. Mm-hmm. 
and I was like, oh, I would, I don't trust any of these people. Like immediately was like, nope, don't trust anybody, which I think is how you're supposed to feel because I think that's how uh, Teddy feels. feels. Is it Teddy? Theodore? Well, no, because his name is uh, John Jonathan Gamble. No, no, no. I'm talking about. You're talking about Teddy, right. whose real name is right. No, I'm. I meant Lenny. Oh, I think that's how Lenny is supposed to feel. But Teddy and Lenny, for some reason, my brain gets them confused. But no, uh, that's I think a different disorder. I think Lenny doesn't isn't supposed to trust anybody. Like the, the way it's painted is, he doesn't trust anybody. He's unable to because he can't remember them to trust them. Well, even the way it's shot. I mean, if you. This is what I read, and I had to go back and look at it, and it, it, it does happen. It's really weird. But if you watch the shots where he's, like, talking to someone, it it zooms in a little bit closer on him than it does anybody else and to make you kind of focus on him and really understand his perspective on things. Right. Because I think that he's always weary of people. And one thing that I that I found very interesting is when – when Teddy tells him about Natalie and he writes, you know, do not trust her, but the way he writes it in cursive instead of his normal block print. Yes. Like the way that he writes it is like, I'm skeptical of you and don't believe you. Yeah. And that was before he saw the, or let me rephrase that. He saw it, but didn't remember it. The don't believe his lies because when he flips it over and finds the don't believe his lies, that's when he scribbles it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I knew it, you son of a bitch. So, but so see, that's the thing. I don't think Teddy's necessarily a bad guy. I mean, I think Teddy is something. I don't think he's necessarily a bad guy. I don't think he's a good guy, but I don't think he has ill intentions for Lenny. Like Natalie, on the other hand, I think she has ill intentions for, for Lenny. Well, she says the whole, like she literally said the whole reason she's doing everything is to get him to kill Dodd, who thinks that she killed Jimmy and took the money, when in all actuality, it was Lenny. Yeah. Because of Teddy. Yeah. Because he already killed John G., whose name might not even be John G. Well, that never, like, that's irrelevant. Like, the person who caused the accident doesn't matter. I mean, it kind of it 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 does in the sense that he never says his name was John G. All that he says is that it was a couple of junkies who thought your wife lived alone. alone. Right. So where does John G. come from? So what I'm saying is, I think that that's I don't think that's what happened. I think that the original police story mm-hmm. of there being one guy, him shooting him before he gets like fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I think that that's probably what actually happened. And there wasn't someone that pushed him into the mirror and he slipped or fell or he didn't actually shoot and kill the guy. And in the tussle, he got fucked up. Mm-hmm. And there was never a second guy. John G. doesn't exist. It was the name given once this police officer found out about his mental state or his mental thing after he killed his wife, went to the mental institution. I think that's where he met Teddy. Because I don't even know in this, we don't ever actually see anything indicating that he's actually a police officer. He says he's undercover. Well, no, he has a badge. I can go buy a badge right now. Well, see, no, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, he has the badge, but... 
I'm glad that you brought up that in the short story he's from a mental institution mm-hmm. because I think in the movie he's from a mental institution too. It's just not shown. It's inferred because I don't think the event where his wife allegedly died initially happened the way he thinks it did. Well, no, like because, that, because we know that Teddy's an un, or I'm sorry, we know that Lenny is an unreliable narrator. Yes, and that's even that is even made clear with the way the movie was shot because when it's the end or the beginning, I guess, of the next or previous scene that is shown, um, some of them are word for word the exact same, and others are different. Right, which shows that Lenny is not a reliable narrator. And you probably shouldn't trust him anyway because he can't remember. And then to make it even better, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when um, Teddy is talking to him and says, you know, your wife had diabetes. And it's uh, Georgia Fox sitting on, whose name is just Lenny's wife. Like she doesn't actually have a name, it's just Lenny's wife. Um, is sitting on the bed and he puts the syringe in her and she goes, ow. And then, then, you can go ahead. Uh, and then it's the pinch in his memory before he remembers that she had diabetes. Mm, yeah, which I love that scene. Like, that's my favorite scene because it's shot for shot the exact same. Just one is a pinch and the other is a poke. So, they had um, a similar scene to that. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. You should You should keep talking. Okay. And I will try to think about it. And if I remember, I will say it. Well, no, you were talking about Lenny being mental institution person oh yeah yeah yeah. so i think that teddy and lenny are both from a mental institution Mm -hmm. uh and teddy's not actually a cop and that he's just made he's just made um lenny believe that he is a cop because Mm -hmm. even when natalie does the report on him and stuff she never says oh this is a cop she says oh the based on the license plate he has this is who it's registered to but never indicates his occupation never indicates anything like that and because of all the spare time he has and because obviously he has spare time because he's constantly doing stuff with Lenny right. and showing up randomly to help Lenny. So I'll, I'll catch you off. The the place where he randomly shows up in his car, okay, um, the actor Joe, can't pronounce his last name, actually thought that it would be funny to just have him do it. He's like, oh, this would be a Teddy thing if Teddy just showed up in his car. And Christopher Nolan's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how that fit his character. But anyway. But so, but because of all that kind of stuff, like I, and there's never any like actual evidence shown that Teddy is a police officer. Mm-hmm. And the story that he gives uh, Lenny is, oh, hey, you know, I was the cop assigned to the case. You talked to me when you first started experiencing memory loss. I believed you about what actually happened. But he also says his wife didn't actually die. So what he remembers happening isn't actually what happened. Right. So I don't think it's super far-fetched to believe that they met in the mental institution. They both got out for whatever reason, like their mandatory time was up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Then Teddy was like, oh, I can use Lenny because he doesn't remember anything to help me get money from this criminal organization. Because obviously if it's $250,000 worth of, I think, did they say amphetamines? Uh, Yes. Yeah, he had uh, $200,000 of amphetamines is what brought him to the abandoned shack place right so i think that he might have had criminal connections in order to like sign a deal like that up but i don't necessarily think that he's just like a dirty cop doing it Mm -hmm. i think that he's got 
Lenny convinced of that because it would make it easier for him to be manipulated on the fly. Well, and I think the other thing is Teddy has good intentions because the whole reason he took Jimmy G and wanted him to die was because he was a local drug dealer. So in a weird, morbid Robin Hood kind of way, he is just cleaning up the streets and doing this while also helping out his buddy relive the day I relive relive the day because he says I just wanted to see that face so no I feel that so um I wanted to ask you about conditioning I know that we're not necessarily at that part based on the uh movie we kind of talked about it earlier oh we've kind of been jumping around this whole movie but this whole movie kind of jumps around yeah I mean it makes sense yeah but so I wanted to specifically ask you about conditioning okay so I know that we talked earlier about Sammy's story with the uh, the triangle that shocked him, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned the guy who had the shocker on his hand. Are you gonna uh, talk to me like is conditioning real? Well, no, I conditioning is like scientifically provable to be real. Okay, continue. So the conditioning that is uh, explained in this movie is Lenny's thought process when he wakes up, which is you know I'm awake. Check the drawers. I know there's nothing in there except the Gideon Bible or whatever. Yeah. No, it's a Gideon Bible. That's why when he's in Dodge room and he opens it up and there's a gun, he he's like, like stops. Yeah. So my question is, do you think, because for me, like when I wake up in the morning, my first thought is almost always I have to pee or I'm really thirsty. I need some water. Yeah. And those are like my two thoughts. Do you think it's actually possible to train yourself? To where you already have the first thought when you open your eyes in the morning or when you wake up planned. Because me personally, I don't even, even when I was in the army and I was like, had a super rigid schedule. Mm -hmm. My first thought in the morning was still almost always, fuck, I have to pee. Fuck, I need some water. So do you think it would actually be possible to program yourself to where the first thought is awake? Yes. Because every day that I wake up, like I've transitioned to do my morning walk and run, right? Instead of doing it in this 105 degree heat. Right. And the first thing I do when I wake up, and I'll tell you my whole entire thought process is I have to shut off the alarm. I have to get up because if I go to, if I do not move, I will go back to sleep. I need to go walk. Like the first thing that pops into my mind, if I, if I know the day before that I'm on like a time limit or something, then whenever I wake up, I go, I have to do this. On the weekends, it's a little bit more lax, but I have like trained myself to go, okay, you need to do this. We need to get up and do it. Okay, so I have those thoughts too, but mm-hmm. it's not my first thought. No, that's my first thought. My first, Well, I mean, technically my first thought is turn off your alarm, and then the second thought is get out of bed. See, that? I don't know. That's weird to me. Because, I mean, I get turn off my alarm because yeah. that's also my first thought if it's the thing that wakes me up. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, at no point in my life do I remember ever waking up with my first thought being something other than water or pee. So the only time that it's been something else is when I have gone to bed and been too lazy to get up and pee. So I've held my pee in and like I knew that I would. I do that every night. Okay, so when I wake up and my bladder is like really hurting me and the first thing in the morning I that's what I feel, then my thought process changes to, oh, I have to get up to pee. Yeah, no, that's me literally every 
Okay, so that's why you just, that's why you do it because it hurts. So your body goes, you need to take care of this. If you didn't do that and you, you know, stop drinking water two hours before you went to bed. I'm not going to do that. I drink water like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and chug a bottle of water and then immediately go back to bed. Okay, but I'm I'm telling you, if you didn't do that, I guarantee your thought process would be, would be different because your your body is conditioned to do that based off of your habits. That's fair. I go, oh, it's two hours until bedtime. I need to stop drinking water, and I will. I won't drink any more water, even if I'm thirsty. I will not. The only water that I drink is when I rinse my mouth out for uh, brushing my teeth. That's the only water I'll drink. So, see, I usually drink, like, half a glass of water after I brush my teeth at night or uh, not necessarily brush my teeth. That's not what causes it when I use Listerine. Mm -hmm. Because uh, if you go to the dentist, they'll tell you to wait 30 minutes after using Listerine or stuff before you rinse your mouth for some reason. Right. But I don't. I wait, like, five, and then I drink, like, half a glass of water to get that shitty taste out of my mouth. Yeah, so, what? yeah, you're doing it to yourself. The reason you have those thoughts is because you have conditioned your body to do that. That if makes you, sense. Yeah, if you didn't do that, then you could train yourself to think like I think. You think it's weird that my first thought is turn my alarm off and my second thought is get out of bed or you're going to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Whereas your first thought is, oh, I need to pee or water. But that's because you've trained yourself to do that. Well, so, I mean, I would argue that I need to pee is the same thought that you have because yours is get out of bed and I don't pee the bed, so... Well, no, because my get-out-of-bed is for different reasons. Your get-out-of-bed is because you are in physical pain. I'm just being a dick. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, well, that's that's just something I want to ask because I feel like his morning routine, to me, doesn't seem like something you'd condition yourself to because, I don't know, I feel like the first few minutes of being awake, I'm not even like me. I'm just like on autopilot or something. So have you ever been blackout drunk and then woke up somewhere else Uh uh-huh what's your first thought usually i have to pee okay my first thought (laughs) is where am i and that's what i attribute it to so like even when um we would do our thing and i would be at your house when i woke up the next morning my first thought is where am i because i need to make sure like i i knew where i was but i didn't know where i was so i have to get my senses then once i was looking around i'm like oh i'm in bailey's room I'm on the couch. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I don't know. Um, One time when I was in the Army, this is a tangent, mm-hmm. but I uh, got drugged or something, and I was at a bar, and luckily I was with like people who knew me, so they took me elsewhere. Well, um, how do you know you were drugged? Well, because I don't remember anything. Like, I remember very, very spotty things, and I wasn't drunk yet. Like, I wasn't intoxicated yet. How do you know you don't remember? Right. So I remember not, I remember the point where I stopped remembering. I was sitting at the bar and then the next thing I remember is waking up or there are bits and pieces, but the next major memory I have is waking up at an unknown place where I didn't know where the bathroom was. Mm -hmm. But my first thought when I first woke up was still, fuck, I have to pee. And I went outside and peed off their porch. So I'll use that as your argument against you. You don't remember, but you remembered that you didn't remember, right? The only re I I remember now that I didn't remember when I immediately woke up I was just like oh what the fuck I have to pee mm-hmm. and then after that you were like well I don't remember what happened yeah well I talked to the people I was with and they explained it okay that is why Lenny knows he has a condition because he talks to people and they explain it because he oh because he keeps saying that he has a condition so then people go yeah you do 
Right. And it's the same basic thing of you're like, well, how does he know that he can't remember? And I'm going to use your argument against you. You just, you know, got drugged and then woke up and couldn't remember. That's his life like every day or right. every time. But so see, the thing is, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what happened immediately. Like I would know, oh, I don't know how I got here. Mm-hmm. But my first thought wouldn't be, oh, I have a condition where I don't make new memories. Well, I don't think that's his first thought. I think that's his first thought when he meets somebody or, and I think that that's due to, because if, if you remember when he meets people, he doesn't start with that. He starts talking. And then when he realizes that he's repeating himself or he goes, we've met before, that's when he explains he has the condition. His right. first natural instinct is to not say that, but just talk to them. Like, I don't know who you are, so I'm going to introduce myself because it's the first time we've met. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. He talks uh, at a point where how Sammy, whenever he meets him, one of the reasons he thinks he's faking is he notes familiarity. Mm -hmm. And he says that he thinks it's something people pretend to do. But Like whenever you meet someone to pretend to know them so that it's not weird. And I think that his character does that too. Like, when he talks to Bert, like, he doesn't immediately start talking to him, like, hey, I don't know you at all. He's more friendly than I would be with strangers, and I think that he is intentionally slightly more friendly than he would be normally. And the reason he does that is because he is always uh, feigning remembrance, at least some, or mm-hmm. feigning familiarity, maybe, is a better word than remembrance. And see, I, I disagree because he doesn't remember anything right well i mean he'll tell you he remembers his whole life up until a certain point right because that's when that's when the accident happened so because of well because of the line about sammy being able to uh feign uh familiarity and he does similar things like the way he smiles at people and stuff i think he also feigns familiarity i mean i just just smile well i just smile at people sometimes because it's like the friendly thing to do like if i'm walking um, so, if, for instance, the other day, like, I was, you know, running and walking both because I'm so out of shape and fat that when I was coming back, I made eye contact with a guy, an older gentleman who was walking his dog, and his dog comes up, and I don't know who he is, I've never met him, I don't know where he is, but his dog comes up and starts, like, licking me, and see, I just, like, smiled and, like, you know, looked at him and, and said, you know, it's okay, because he was telling the dog not to do it. Well, no, that makes sense because doggos are amazing. Okay, but I'm, but I'm saying it's just instances like that. Like, I there was no reason for me to, like, smile and nod at him and say, like, nonverbal communicate. Like, it's okay. You don't need to, you know, beat your dog for licking me. That's erotic. Okay, that, that, that's fucked up is what that is. But I don't know. I mean, he does construct the whole Sammy thing because he is Sammy. Like, he creates his own persona because... Right, and remembers it because he's faking. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that's the end of it. You have uh, basically seen the movie. He fakes it. Don't watch it. Shit movie. Yeah, thank you. Zero out of five. You finally said the phrase I've been trying to get you to say the whole time. He made Sammy up after the accident. Therefore, he is definitely faking. Okay, but he made... so it. Okay, so it kind of goes into the same thing with like DID, you know? DID. Disassociative Identity Disorder. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. You're going to have to explain it, Mr. Psychology. Maybe. Okay, so DID or did is a very hot topic that is debated and there's like half of the people don't think it's real and the other half do because it is so like your brain is a very very weird thing in the sense that 
um, I don't remember what the condition is, but it was like one of my favorite conditions that we ever learned. And basically your brain goes into like survival mode and will shut down parts of your body. So like there was a story of a guy who was getting drafted into the military and all of a sudden his right arm would not work. It was his dominant hand. It was his dominant arm, right? He couldn't lift it. He couldn't feel anything. And it was weird. And it was because he was so anxious about being drafted into the army that his brain used it as a way to take away his arm so that way he couldn't fight or shoot. And the army was like, oh, well, we can't use you. And then after that happened, he slowly started to regain feeling and movement into his arm. Like, I forgot what the condition's called, but basically your brain goes into, like, super survival mode and just shuts down. And that's what, you know, DID is in order to cope with the traumatic levels of abuse that these people suffer through they create another personality to escape from it and I, I kind of associate that with what he did he's he went through the trauma of you know his wife being raped and not killed as he remembers it but then he kills her accidentally due to giving her too much insulin and can't cope with it so he creates his own version of it which you could argue caused it to be worse so how can he not cope with it if he can't remember that he did it i mean what if he did though like that's what i'm saying like what if he so what you're so i could be wrong so what you're saying is you don't think the accident happened though like the original accident where someone broke in and raped his wife correct didn't happen something happened to him personally caused him to have memory issues so he fabricated the story about the accident in his mind to explain why he doesn't have memory. And then after killing his wife, it immediately was another total shock to his body. I had a really bad speech impediment there. Did you hear it? Yeah, it's okay though. Continue. But it had a shock to his body and, or a shock to his mind rather. Mm -hmm. And what this did was caused him to basically split again. I don't know if you saw what I did. We talked about DID earlier, but basically caused him to, split again and what that did was made it to where he no longer was able to have memories but he remembered his fake story about how he started losing his memories and remembered the fake story about sammy killing his wife and then sammy became the person that killed his wife because he didn't kill his wife sammy killed his own wife um his wife leonard's wife was killed by john g who now doesn't exist in this in this interpretation because you said that lenny was just a crazy or not lenny um teddy was just a crazy inmate or whatever yeah and in the story that he tells about sammy jenkins is he was in a car accident with his wife that's what caused the memory issue so my theory what if that is what actually caused it and he started developing the issues because he couldn't cope with having to kill because i mean you you could say that he had a temporary bout of amnesia because that is a thing right and what happened was he got into the car accident went into a coma or something and then came out of it and had a you know momentary bout of amnesia his wife thought that he was faking it you know or whatever couldn't cope with it and tried to put him through these tests he couldn't remember who he was and what ended up happening was he decided one day or she decided one day that she was going to actually test him and did the insulin thing and then once that happened he you know 
it jogged his memory because it was a traumatic event and because he realized what he had done and could remember it that was the last thing that he remembered so in order to protect himself and to move on with his everyday life he constructed the, or fabricated this whole lie of a different person doing it and then went back and said that this is not what happened the car accident never happened someone broke in to my house and killed my wife and that's why she's gone i didn't do that because he couldn't live with the guilt i mean that makes sense yeah i mean that was the way that i looked at it i don't think that's true but no but it's impossible to say but it's like impossible to say right because i mean that's the beauty of this movie is that you know what actually happened yeah everything is kind of a lie so I, i think there is more evidence one thing that i read that backs up that his wife that really did happen to his wife though that she survived the accident my um, wife my wife but i i don't know i like to believe that that didn't happen and what he actually said was sammy story because he is sammy so i think that the story that he said was sammy is what actually happened so so do you think his name is actually lenny or leonard or do you no. think that his name is actually sammy his and, name is sammy and leonard is a character that teddy gave him no, I think it's a character that he created because Teddy says, you don't remember who you are. Like, this is who you became, right? Right. So the traumatic event happened, and he took over a different persona as Leonard, the insurance adjuster. And that's what happened. And one night, his wife got out of bed, and in the bathroom, there were there was a masked man that had hold her down that held her down and violated her. He shot him. And then as he went to his wife's aid, another person came out of nowhere and shoved him into the mirror and broke the glass. And it caused him to lose his memory. There's no evidence of another person though, but he thinks there is see like that's the thing. And the, the better question is if that's actually how it happened, why didn't the other guy just like kill him? Yeah, so like see, it doesn't make sense. That's something that uh, I thought when I was watching the movie, mm-hmm. because especially when he was tried to say that, oh yeah, that's how my wife died. She clearly wasn't dead when he like rolled in there and shot the guy. Right. So if she clearly wasn't dead at that point, he killed the guy, and then a second guy was allegedly there and pushed him into the wall. Why would he go ahead and finish killing the wife but not do anything to him? Yeah, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. I mean, and you could you could blame it like there are a couple of junkies that were just trying to get high or something. Get high by by raping somebody. Well, I mean, if you want to be like technical about it, they were in the bathroom, which is where the medicine cabinet would be. So, so what you think they broke in were like, yeah, we're gonna rob the medicine cabinet, and she was like in there taking a pee or something or going going poopy, and they were just like, oh. We're going to get high, but there's also a perfectly rapeable person here to rape. Yes. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. If someone's breaking into someone's house to sell drugs out of the bathroom. Okay, so hear me <laughs> out. Hear me out. Okay, I think that... Okay, well, you're, you're laughing at me, but... I'm trying super hard to take it seriously. No, I'm being serious. I'm, I'm being serious. Think about it. You know how motives change all the time, right? You go in for one thing. And then uh, think about it like the supermarket. You, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me finish my thought. You go into the supermarket. You go all the way to the back. You avoid all the sweets. You're like, I don't need anything. You go and you grab your fucking turkey. 
and you're going up to the front. And as you're about to check out, you see in the cashier line the fucking, you know, quick grab displays, and you're like, damn, I really want a Reese's. So you went in for the turkey, saw the Reese's, now you're getting the Reese's, okay? Is it really impossible to think that two junkies broke in, or one junkie, or whatever, two junkies broke in to try to raid the medicine cabinet and then decided that it was like, oh, shit, we're caught. This is an attractive woman. We're going to do this now. So, okay, so my thing is I don't disagree with mm-hmm. that logic making sense because it totally does. However, I don't feel like junkies would break into a house to raid a medicine cab. I think they would break in to steal the copper wires from the air conditioning unit. Well, I mean... Well, because the thing is, like, what... In my medicine cabinet, if someone was to break into my house, for instance, they wouldn't find anything that'll get them high. Well, this was also, you know, 2000 or whatever. In 2000, it had someone broken into my house to steal from my medicine cabinet, they wouldn't have found anything to make them high. You didn't keep it in your medicine cabinet in the bathroom? Well, no, there's, like, I don't know. I feel like the things that junkies would be looking for would be, like, actual drugs. Yeah, like painkillers and stuff, which would be in the medicine cabinet. Right, but not, like, I wouldn't break into someone's house looking for painkillers because not everybody has them. Like, that's a super specific thing to be looking for. Okay, so by that logic, they break in to try to steal the copper wire, and then (laughs) they go, oh, shit, medicine cabinet. There might be, you know, some pills in there. And then they're like, oh, shit, lady. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, thank you for not thinking that I'm fucking insane for that. Well, no, I just, I didn't think you were insane. I just, I can't, I know a lot of people, especially historically, who did drugs. Mm-hmm. And they did hood rat shit to get drugs. But I've never heard anyone saying, I'm going to break into this house to steal from their medicine cabinet. Maybe to steal their TV. Okay, and maybe, maybe I'm just fucking stupid. Well, no, I, you just don't have a criminal mindset. That's all that is. I have an analytical mindset. That's you think that medicine cabinets in random people's homes hold the value that the drug addicts are looking for is, I'm, is funny. I'm fucking sorry. No, it's I'm okay. fucking sorry. It's okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just bullying you because it's kind of funny. No, you are, and that's okay. I, I deserve it. But was there anything else that you want to talk about? Because I mean, I've, I've pretty much hit all the points. You know, Natalie's a piece of shit. Daddy's a piece of shit. If you want to really boil down this movie, it's about a dude who has memory issues that gets taken advantage of by three different people. Teddy might not be a piece of shit. Oh well, Teddy's kind of a piece of shit because all, all he did was have a drug dealer get murdered. I mean, Teddy also didn't explain... I mean, Teddy was pretty much the only person that was legitimately close to telling him what really happened. Right. So... And he probably would have eventually told him what really happened had he not decided, after hearing the probable truth, that he was like, oh, no, I'm going to live the lie a little bit longer. Right. I don't know. Teddy, I still think Teddy's a piece of shit. I think Teddy used him, but not not in the way that Natalie did, not in the way that Bert did. I feel like saying Bert used him is comical because he cheated him out of like forty dollars for an extra room. Whoa, 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 That's whoa. not the same as convincing him to murder somebody. Doc, he can. It was more than forty dollars because you're just taking his word that he was checked into two motels. You don't know. Yeah, it could have been. He could have had the whole hotel rented out or yeah. motel rented out because he had two hundred thousand dollars in his trunk well like how I many yeah and how many days was he there it's impossible to say exactly so how many and it's forty dollars uh, forty dollars a day pretty much per room right right so out of the two hundred thousand dollars that he didn't work for it's like <laughs> that he stole yeah it's like not even not even a percentage a night 
not even a full percent a night. Okay, but it's still fucked up. It's not even a full percent of the money he has a night. It literally does not matter because it's still fucked up. All right. And Bert, I mean, Bert, though, does admit to taking advantage of him. So. Yeah, Bert and doesn't seem so. like a bad guy either. He Bye, just dude. seems like, he just seems kind of like, oh, I didn't believe you, so I was, like, fucking with you. Okay, well, you know, Jimmy was also dealing drugs out of that motel, and Bert was the one that would tell him if things were, like, getting a little bit weird. I mean, I don't know if dealing drugs should be, like, considered a necessarily a bad thing. Hear me out. Amphetamines. Hear me out. Have you ever been forced by a drug dealer to buy drugs from them? I mean, I've never bought drugs from a drug dealer, so I would not know. Right. But so so you can say that a drug dealer has never forced you to buy drugs. Well, obviously, I don't know anything about that because I think the junkies would break into a house and raid a medicine cabinet. Fair. Well, so me personally, I don't know any drug dealers, and I've never interacted with them. But I can't imagine them forcing me to buy drugs. I feel like... Everyone who interacts with drug dealers are either law enforcement or people who want to buy drugs. And if you want to buy something and they're selling it to you, you're just a merchant man. Of $200,000 worth of amphetamines. That's fair. I mean, you could technically use that for like anybody. Okay, so no, actually I can't. Well, I guess I can use it. Just do it. No, because I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do it. It probably doesn't make sense. But, okay, same thing for, like, human trafficking. Well, no, that's actually fucked up. Why? They're just a merchant. They're not making you buy somebody. Right, but they're forcing somebody into a position to be sold. Because, Correct. Because, so the difference is, the difference between a human trafficker and a drug dealer is drugs are an inanimate object, and humans that are being trafficked are super animate generally, unless they're corpses, and I don't think that selling bodies to necrophiliacs should be an issue. Uh, but that, if you're trafficking up. live humans, that's a problem. Okay, well, for argument's And that's sake. a fucked up comparison, too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you made a fucked up comparison, but anyway. Okay, what would you say? If, okay, well, so the drugs have to be manufactured right okay so wouldn't that be the same thing as forcing people to make drugs and then taking the product that you made okay so what about like sweatshops what about buying products sweatshops is capitalism baby but no it's not it's forcing children to do things capitalism isn't forcing children to do stuff to make shoes in a factory so capitalism makes it to where it's a free market where you can charge or determine the price for things yes which makes it to where you can go to other countries where people are valued for less Mm -hmm. and then create a sweatshop to make money through capitalism sweatshops are the byproduct of capitalism how the fuck did we get on this topic i don't know i wish you wouldn't have brought (laughs) it up though because now i'm kind of (laughs) mad why are you mad (laughs) i don't thinking about sweatshops and stuff like that makes me mad because i feel bad for for the sweaty people in the shops human trafficking and buying drugs that were Buying made pro- by people that were probably human trafficked, it doesn't. I mean, I feel like most drugs are made by like rednecks in the woods. No, or something. No, human trafficking makes me upset too. Uh, obviously, not <laughs> as much. But but no, drug dealing doesn't make me upset. Like it's it's a victimless crime. What? <laughs> Unless you're cutting it with fentanyl or something. What, it is. Oh Jesus Christ! Ah, <laughs> oh, we're entering garbage time now. 
All right. All right. Well, do was you have anything else for Memento? For Memento, I mean, it's a good movie. Yeah, I really liked it. I would recommend uh, if you like this, you'd probably like The Machinist. Um, if you're talking about video games, Manhunt Two. Uh, I was talking about movies, The Machinist. Yeah, no, The Machinist is good. Uh, Shutter Island too. Shutter Island, yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably another good one. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. Yes. Uh, Fifty First Dates, according to you. They're the same concept. Uh, yeah, I mean Manhunt too. I was taken by that one. You should play Manhunt too. I think Manhunt. I actually bought the first Manhunt last night. Oh, have you never played it? No, I played it uh, years ago on PS2. Mm-hmm. But it was on sale on Xbox for eight nine eight dollars and ninety nine cents, mm-hmm. and I'm a, I'll, I'll pay nine dollars for Manhunt, even though it's only like ten hours of fun. Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I own Manhunt. I, I mean, I own Manhunt too, but I refuse to play it because I don't like the editing that they did on it. I haven't played Manhunt too. How did they edit it? Um. Oh, so this is Bailey's Babble, by the way. Oh, this favorite. Is? Well, I was gonna be favorite horror games because I watched a video the other day. Oh, okay. Well, that, hold on. Well, that's a different topic. Let's, well, we'll get back in the recommendations. Well, I don't mean to get horror, off track. Horror video games. Yeah, no. We'll okay. we'll, we'll okay. get. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um. So we'll we'll get to that. We'll shelf that for a second. Uh, for more recommendations, I'm trying to think of things, but I can't remember. Uh, but no, I would say The Machinist is a good one. Eternal Sunshine, maybe even uh, the number twenty three. I wouldn't go that far. Well, 51st Dates. So the reason I say the number 23 is because in it, Jim Carrey has memory issues. And remembers the number 23. Yeah. So it's another story of someone trying to figure out uh, what happened and how they got exactly where they are. So 51st Dates counts yeah. by your logic. Yeah. Okay. Eternal Sunshine, Manhunt 2. The Machinist. The Machinist. Uh, can't really think of any books except for the one that it's based off of that short story. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Dog, did you break something again? I kicked over my water bottle, but it is a water bottle, so bottle? there's no problems. Oh, okay. All right. So now you want to get into Bailey's Babbles? Yes. So for uh, my Bailey's Babble question today, um, and it's actually because I bought Manhunt last night. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it going to be what? are your favorite horror video games. Um, Another thing that brought this on is I was watching a video and it talked about how the PS1 and before, or I guess around the PS1 and N64, the best errors for horror on console. No. Hear me out. I'm not going to because you're wrong. Well, can I explain why? No, because I don't give a shit because it was wrong. Oh, okay. No, the, the best era... For like I'm a horror enthusiast, right? And like survival horror is my favorite genre of gaming. The PS2 era. Okay, the best horror games are on the PS2. The N64, what are you talking about? Castlevania? Well, so N64 doesn't... So it's not games per se. So that's why I wanted to explain it. Okay, so uh, go ahead. I'll let you explain. So because of the uh, limitations of the technology at the time... Um, when you're like walking in PS1 games, there's like a shadowy effect. You know what I'm talking about? Like the field of view is limited. You mean the fog in Silent Hill? So the fog in Silent Hill is a perfect example because the reason there's a fog in Silent Hill isn't because that was like a directorial choice they made. It was because it would have been black if they hadn't decided to make it fog instead. Which there are certain sections where it is black, but that's not the point. But the reason that it's there is because it has to be. Because of the limitations of field of view. So there's a bunch of games on PS1 that 
have feature really tight spaces and limited field of view and the uncanny valley of like the polygon shapes because basically the way that they do like the way that they do um human models and stuff now is they can literally just like format someone into the game right but back then what they would do is they would basically scan their face and wrap their face around a model kind of like the art models you have the wooden block models Mm -hmm. and that's how all the characters were made basically with just skins wrapped over them so i don't know it's just the video i watched was basically like a 45 minute video essay about the various aspects that make it scarier on those consoles and I just thought it was really interesting and I noticed uh, similar things when I was playing Manhunt last night that seemed scarier than but that was the PS2 right no I recognize that it's a different error but there's still limitations that in my opinion make it scarier I mean so your argument is the limitations is what made it scary Base because so because there's more of like a mystery aspect it's not as refined it's more raw okay so i i respect what you said um i think you're wrong no that's okay i mean that's the opinion that i have based on that video i don't know if it's my actual opinion because my favorite horror game of all time was probably doom 3 oh that was terrible no doom 3 was actually like for the original xbox it was actually kind of scary, especially because it came out in like what, when I was like, like nine. Four. Yeah, I was like nine. Yeah, that was like, I like that more than. Growing up, I like that more than like the original Resident Evils and stuff, games. Okay, so I'm, I'll use, the the limitations like for Silent Hill and stuff is what made it, but, I I own almost all the Silent Hill games. Like I own the original four. And out of the original four, um, the PS1, like the very first one, I I have a very hard time going back and playing it because of, like, it's not scary the way the second game is. Like, and you are correct, the limitations of it did make it scary, but the, the PS2 had, like, the best horror games because... Um, like the thing did you ever play the thing i have not okay so the thing video game is basically a sequel to the movie and it has this really cool mechanic of you never really know who is the thing so at a moment's notice the guy that you're playing with could just like turn into the monster that's pretty cool yeah no and it's it's a really cool game um they were a lot riskier with the things that they did (laughs) Like, I mean, I've harped on it on how I think the gameplay in Rule of a Rose is fucking dog shit. Yeah. But the story is literally amazing. Um, the limits that they... Like, I'm, I'll, I'll have you sit down and play Silent Hill too. Like, I'll tell you the answers to all the puzzles if you don't want to figure it out. But, like, I want you just to sit down and experience that. Because if you look up any list of, like, the best psychological horror games of all time, that's always number one. And it came out in 2001. <laughs> And the fog and the limitations do make it scarier, I think. I think that's what makes, like, if you want to talk about recent horror video games, um, Alien Isolation is probably one of the scariest, but that's because of the limitations that you have. Um, Even Outlast, not the second one. But the first one was genuinely terrifying because it gave you that you can't do anything. Are you okay? Are you dying? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. But, like... 
the whole reason that there was a difference between, and I think that Silent Hill is a scarier game than Resident Evil. For sure. And the reason is because look at the characters. When you play a Resident Evil game, you are a badass. Like, you are a part of fucking stars, okay? You're a tactical nuke, basically, that has been sent in to destroy. And then you play things like Silent Hill, and you're literally just an average dude that doesn't know how to fight or do anything that's looking for his daughter. Like, that's all you are. And I think that that's scary because the things that you can do in Resident Evil you can't do in silent hill and that's what makes it scary amongst other things but i mean i just think the psychological aspect of silent hill makes it scarier than the more like physical body horror like metamorphosis Mm -hmm. aspect of resident evil well and i would say that if you want to talk about like true horror um out of the original three uh the first one isn't that scary Two is kind of okay. I would say three is probably the scariest, and that's just because Nemesis pops out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And just wants, you know, X gonna give it to you. Wasn't really scary until the remakes. That's fair. But um, if if you want to know, like, my favorite, uh, like, some of the best ones, and, like, everything that I recommend is on, on, like, the PS2 because I think that that's the era that was the greatest. Um, I love Silent Hill 2, my favorite video game of all time. Um, Resident Evil 4 is pretty high on my list. I like Resident Evil 4 I a lot. fucking hate Ashley with a burning passion. Um, did you ever play... Uh, they came out on the PS4, Xbox One the era. The remake? No. Um, the Evil Within? Or yes. its sequel? What did you think of those? Um, I... It's okay. Um, the story is so fucking convoluted that it ruins it for me a little bit, but... I I agree. I uh, didn't like them as much because of that. If you take out the story, then they're really good. They're creepy. Uh, you put the story in there, they're kind of okay. Like, I played the first one, and I was like, this is... I don't understand what the fuck's going on. Um, I definitely feel that. That's how I felt for a majority of the first one. Now, I like Manhunt. Uh, Manhunt 2, like I was explaining... Uh, the manhunt was like very controversial oh i know and manhunt 2 upped it to the point where it's one of the only games that was ever rated ao because of how fucking brutal and violent it is so what do you mean when you were talking about them editing it oh so in order to not make it an ao game they had to take out the point system for killing people and they put a red filter over the execution scenes that basically make it to where you can't really see what's going on. That sounds really dumb. Um, like the the way to play it is on PC because there was a there was a port on the PS or the the PC where they leaked the original game that didn't have the filter, so you can play like the full um, you know adults only one, and like it's it's brutal. That but sounds you, pretty cool. But you can see everything. You know, and then like that was that was the thing. In order to not get the classification of AO, um, but that game I think is more tasteful than something like Hatred. If you've ever played that game, I haven't. Um, that's one of the only other AO rated games that came out in 2015, and I I've played it. I don't like it because the whole premise is this emo looking death metal fucking dude decides one day that humanity sucks, 
and you go on a killing spree and it's basically just mass shooting like you just shoot people and you get points and you heal um if you execute them like there are brutal executions where people like beg for their life and you just blow their fucking face off and it's the story behind manhunt 2 is really good i'm not going to spoil it for you um but like the story is really good and that's why i like that over everything uh and the ps2 era of gaming really or for survival horror at least really had good stories compared to other things like the story of silent hill the first one like i use silent hill as an example because the first one was kind of you know dude wants to find his daughter and then there's a cult and that's kind of it and then two came around had nothing to do with the first one was completely different and just you know mind fucks you and I haven't really got the same sense with like newer newer releases. I mean, Resident Evil Seven is truly terrifying in VR. Dude, Resident Evil Seven was actually a pretty good like horror game. No, I like it more than eight. I uh, see. I couldn't get into eight. Like, I don't know what it was, but something about like the models they used for the werewolves like were weird. It just they looked they didn't look scary or interesting or fun. They just looked kind of dumb. Well, and, and this goes back to the, your, your limitations talk. The reason that Silent Hill 2 is so scary is because they use the limitations of the fog. Um, you have the tank controls, the fixed camera angles that make it to where when you're fighting Pyramid Head, it's awkward. And it was also the, took into consideration a lot of actual psychological factors. So that, that game is made to like freak you out. That's why the static is creepy. Um, when you kill your first enemy, which the the idea for that one, the um, game director actually saw a dude walking down the hall with, wearing a hoodie, but his arms were inside the hoodie. And that's the model for these, like, you know, I don't even know what to call them. They're basically just legs, and they look like they have a straight jacket on. And I got really freaked the fuck out when I took one down and thought I killed it. And then there's, like, this loud screech, and it starts to, like, crawl on the ground underneath the car. I was like, that's fucked up. But um, anything from, like, the PS2 era. Like, I like Manhunt. I like Silent Hill. I like Resident Evil. Um, I mean, I collect horror games. I like Haunting Ground, even, and that's not that scary. But um, have you played Prey uh, 2017 or 18? I don't like that game at all. So it's horror. It's not. It's It's got horror elements for sure. It's it's meant to be a horror game after, like, once you actually get going in the story, it's supposed to be horror. It's did you play Dead Space? I did. I actually really like the first Dead Space and Dead Space 2. Dead Space 3 doesn't exist, so. I wasn't going to mention it other than saying that I, it was fucking stupid. Right, and that's because EA fucked it. But I like to use, so a lot of people say that Prey is a good horror game because it's psychological and sci-fi. And yes, no, because Dead Space did it better, and that was 2008. Alien Isolation probably does it the best. So there are different kinds of games. Like, I don't consider Dead Space, Alien Isolation, and Prey to be the same type of game. They're all probably listed online as... They're survival first, horror... First-person shooters. Yeah, well... Or shooters. shooters. Well, no, there's survival because the whole point of survival horror is you're limited on supplies. I mean, so in Dead Space, I didn't feel limited on supplies after a certain point. 
Right, but that's and in Prey, I also didn't. I felt more limited in Prey than I did in Dead Space. But even in Prey, I didn't feel limited after a certain point with the Fabricator. Right, but that was different. I mean, I okay, so I'll use the Resident Evil remakes because I really like those. I in the beginning felt like there was a lot of things that I, you know, I needed to conserve my ammo. And then by the end, I was just like, you know, finger banging everybody. Yeah. Um, Doom 3 also probably falls in the exact same category as Prey and Alien Isolation and Dead Space, if we're going to say that sci-fi survival horror set in space. Yeah, but Doom 3 was scary because they made this really stupid decision to you can't hold the flashlight and shoot the gun at the same time yeah and no, i didn't like that no i didn't either but that's why it was scary because it was dark and you died so fast that's the point that that's the point though all these other games did their psychological horror in a different way where the only reason the doom 3 is quote-unquote scary is when you're holding the flashlight and then have to switch to a gun and can't see what you're shooting at that's the only time it's scary the rest of the game is not scary I don't know. Some of the like bloody walls and stuff like has creepy things written. Okay, but do you remember the first time you encountered a necromorph? Yes. Do you remember the first time? Did you play Alien Isolation? Uh, it's been a long ass time. Okay, but do you remember the first time you saw the alien? Yeah. Okay, and do you remember the first time in Prey where you walked up on an enemy? Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, kind of. Okay. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Do you remember the first enemy that you encountered in Doom? Uh-uh. Exactly. That's the, that's the point well, I'm trying to make. Okay, but I've also played uh, everything other than Dead Space. I haven't played Doom 3 in like 10 years, probably. Longer than that. I was probably 2005 last time I played Doom 3. Okay, when was the last time you played Dead Space? 2013, 14. Okay, but so I guess for argument's sake, the thing that I'm trying to make is the there wasn't anything memorable in that game. Like the first time I played Doom 3, I literally used the cheat code to get all the way to the end and fought the final boss. Because I could. I mean, that's fair. And I thought that it was shitty. That's fair. Um, but when you talk about, like, the first scene with the necromorphs is genuinely terrifying, and it sticks in your mind. And it's also the, in two, the eye, the needle in the eye scene. You know what I'm talking about? The, or was that one? I can't remember which one it is. In Dead Space, where he's, where you have to get the laser in his eye, and if you don't do it right, the fucking needle comes out. And I don't remember. Um, I remember that, but I don't remember if that was one or two. I really want to say three. Two. No, I really no three didn't have any redeeming factors. I want to say it's two, but that's not the point. Um, there were there were things in in those games that you really remembered. And the first time you saw the alien, and you're like, oh shit, I don't have anything. That was terrifying. Oh yeah, because you had to run and hide. But there was never that sense in like Doom. I was like, hey, okay, that's fair. So what will be your favorite? My favorite, um. It's really hard to say. Um, recency bias, I would say Prey. Mm-hmm. But I really like Doom 3, but because I played it so long ago, I don't know if it was actually good or if it's just good in nostalgia vision. Right. I don't know. I'm going to go with Prey. It's a recent game that I've played, so I don't know if it's actually my favorite, but out of all of the survival horror I've played in the past five years, I like it the most. Okay, so in October, I like to go through all the Silent Hill games every year. That's fair. I don't know why, but I do. Um, so we'll yeah. sit down, play some Silent Hill 2. Maybe do a game. podcast. Oh, we could do a podcast. We could fucking record it. Cause I love that game, but we'll play it on, we'll play it on normal difficulty. Cause if you play it on anything other than normal, your first time, like 
It's a, it's a joke. What if we play it on extra hard? Quad extra hard. No, because there is... Okay, so I'll, I'll ruin... The first time that you fight Pyramid Head, it is a timed event. You literally cannot kill him. Um, and you're in a tight room that you have to run around. On easy mode, it lasts 30 seconds, and then a siren wails, and he just kind of like wanders off, you know? On hard mode, it's 30 minutes. Okay. So you have so you have to run around this tiny room with really shitty camera angles and try not to get hit because he kills you in like two hits with his big knife. Okay. Um, and you have to literally wait 30 real minutes of running around before he wanders off. That's if you don't shoot him because you have to waste like... Oh fuck! What is it like? Forty bullets on him. If you if you do enough damage to him, he'll run away. But ammo is so scarce in that game that you want to save it for other things, and you have to waste like forty or fifty bullets on him. That makes sense. So we'll play it on normal, where it's like a minute that he wanders around, just so you can get the feel of it. Or maybe maybe it was five minutes. I don't remember. We'll figure it out. It's figured out. But anyway, so was that was all your Bailey's battles? Yeah, literally, it was just what's your favorite. Uh, horror video game and what generation's your favorite and why. Oh, I apologize for going on a tangent. No, you're okay, buddy. So, I kind of took that over. I apologize. No, you're okay, buddy. I, I, I really enjoy hearing you talk and hearing what you have to say about things. Your opinion matters to me. Oh, is that why we do this podcast? I mean, yeah. I can only hope that my opinion matters to the people at home listening. And I just want to take a minute to thank our lovely listeners and to remind you that you are beautiful. Uh, I mean, I'm going to thank you guys, but I, I'm not going to comment on whether or not you have beauty because I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know half the people that listen to this podcast, but that's not the point because I would like to say you're all genuinely good human beings and do something for yourself today. If you want to take that vacation, take that vacation. Don't let anybody stop you unless you're going to like, you know, a bad part of town, but that's not the point. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you guys are all great for listening, and I really appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you to everybody. Yeah, I, I'm trying to say the same thing, but I'm doing it in a really weird way because I don't understand emotions. So, is is that all you have for us today, Taylor? Oh yeah, see how you're like speeding this up. You're like, oh, this is fucking weird. Stop it. No, I mean, no. I mean, we thanked them. They're they're thanked. Thank you guys. Oh, and, and seriously, if you're listening to this and you like us and want to interact with us, please consider joining the Facebook group. Absolutely. And um, we've got stickers and stuff. We're going to be sending them out to the people who have reached out relatively soon. And then once that happens, you can plaster them on people's toilets, walk into random people's houses and stick them on the toilet. Um, remember to take pictures of wherever you put them and then send them to us and we will pick the best ones if enough people participate to send you guys a prize which granted that prize might just be like used socks or something it can be used whatever you want because you won and you're the winner so you dictate if you want like you know used underwear we will do that i don't wear underwear so used underwear is not an option for me i am sorry okay well that's weird i mean i yeah it's okay on that note this has been two idiots one podcast i'm bailey and i'm taylor have a super jolly good evening Bye bye bye